Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and as you know, today we do CEO Talks. And today's CEO Talks, we're going to cover how to deal with difficult customers. And, of course, I have my uh, esteemed guest, uh, Mr. Eric Fondren, CEO of Vitelio. And... Chris Alvarez, CEO of Transcend Enterprise. And before I bring these amazing gentlemen on, I want us to catch up and for you to know what's been going on uh, in my world for the last uh, the last week. So over the last week, I had the opportunity. I took you guys' advice, and I went to California and did the TEDx talk. Uh, the TEDx talk went amazing. And in the TEDx talk, what I talked about was how to create your best life by listening, taking action, and also believing, believing in yourself. And it went over really, really well. I'm actually excited about seeing the video, which will come out in a couple of weeks. That's TEDx Diamond Bar. And then I'm also excited about doing another TEDx talk that will be even bigger with a bigger crowd. I want to do, man, 2,000, 10,000 people, man. That's my thing. I love getting out and inspiring the masses. And then also while I was in Cali, of course, that was Southern California Diamond Bar. Then I had the opportunity to go back home to the Bay. And, you know, being home is always uh, interesting, you know, because I go back to my old stomach grounds, the places I grew up, uh, you know, and reminisce a little bit. And I actually sometimes ask myself, how did you make it out of here? And, you know, because it's not a lot of us that do have that opportunity to make it out of there or are courageous enough. One of the other things that I did is I got to take my nephews. I took uh, three of my nephews and one of my cousins to Yahoo to actually go and speak to some software engineers and some people of color who are doing different things than what they usually see on a day-to-day basis. So that was definitely enlightening for them and a good experience for me. One of my friends from college actually worked there, and she set it all up, man. So that was beautiful. But one of the other things that I got to do was actually celebrate uh, the 60th birthday of an angel, someone who has impacted my life um, tremendously, and that was my, I call her my godmother, Evelyn. Uh, Evelyn, heart lady Pope, and she has one of the biggest hearts in the world, man, I tell you. And at her birthday party, it was actually last night, so I flew in from Cali, literally on the red eye, to be here to be with you guys today. But while celebrating her, she's been a psychologist for twenty over 25 years, and I actually had the opportunity to meet people who were as as young as her elementary school mates and also her first people from her first cases. And we all got had the opportunity to go up and share our testimony of how she impacted us. And we all came in agreement to her spirit, her laugh and just her personality and her approach to making sure that everybody is uh, is nurtured and loved and is inspired has been I mean, was Everybody said the same thing. It was absolutely amazing. And I personally had to talk about my testimony because I met her in high school and I didn't even want to 
talk to her because I didn't like strangers. And so I tried to introduce my friends to her so I could get away. And she was like, no, I want to talk to you. And so we talked and uh, lo and behold, she, you know, was inspiring me and had my back from high school all the way through college. And when I went to study abroad, she made sure that I secured financing to go and study abroad in London for my flight. She also, when I was, when it was time for me to move to New York City, she literally uh, paid two months worth of rent and said for me and said, go and make, uh, go and make me proud. And then she also took me on my first cruise and introduced me to the career that I have now as a motivational speaker by introducing me to Les Brown and also, she surprised me at Senior Frogs in San Juan, Puerto Rico. I was on stage dancing, and she literally hopped up there and was and was dancing next to me. And I was like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> and, but that's the type of spirit that she has, and it's just loving and just nurturing and always something positive to say, always laughing, always smiling. So um, that was truly a pleasure, and I want to send another birthday shout-out to celebrate, again, this angel here on Earth, Evelyn Hart Lady Polk. Thank you so much, God, Mommy, and happy, 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 happy birthday. And I also want to send a shout-out to Tasha uh, Farrier. I wanted to say happy birthday to her. She celebrated her birthday uh, a day or two ago. And beautiful people, we are here. So, Eric, jump right in, man. Tell us, uh, how do we deal with uh, difficult co- difficult customers, man? What's up? <laughs> right into it. All right. Right in. Well, um, to start off, you can't look at your difficult customers like they're a bad thing or bad omen for that matter. It, it's probably the best thing to happen to your business is someone who's willing to give you that constructive criticism, that, that good feedback. So whenever I've had a bad customer, the point is, and my mental health training probably helps out with this, but you got to do a little bit of listening. You got to let them rant and rave. And, and then once you get them calm, you can really figure out where to improve your product. So I had a customer, um, they were using my product for about three months or so. And then I noticed that they just stopped using it. Like they just kind of fell off from a, from a, um, a logging in pattern. And so that's one thing you got to track the usage of your customers because you may not even be able to find out whether or not they're they're upset with your product or whatnot. But so they stop using the product, and I call them up and I ask, you know, what's going on? Have you been using the product? Have you liked it? What's your experience? And they just kind of went in on me. They were just basically like, "It's crap." <laughs> oh wow! It doesn't work the way. <laughs> It was supposed to. It's uh, this is doesn't work. That doesn't work. I have to do double entry of data everywhere. I got to do all these different things in order to get it to work properly. So truth be told, I don't want to use it. Mm. And in that moment, you know, it, it was a pretty scary moment. They were one of our larger clients. And I was like, all right, how do I deal with this? So first you listen, do as much as of you course. can to to alleviate their concerns that it can't be fixed. Because it could be. It's just technology. It just needs a little more rewriting of code and whatnot. Tweaking. Tweaking. Um, and so, but then you got to jot down every single grievance that they have so that you can actually go fix it and then follow up with them later on, show them how you fixed it and what improvements have been made. And since then, they've been one of our most loyal customers because they realize that they have a voice. They can speak mm. to the people who are creating the product, and it'll actually make a difference. So um, difficult customers will give you your best customer support experiences. 
you know, you got to have good customer support. Otherwise, your customers won't come back. Um, but difficult customers also help you improve your product by leaps and bounds because they, they're the ones who will be most honest with what's wrong with your product as opposed to just leaving and never speaking to you and never giving you an explanation of why. So my question is, when, they, when you figured out that they didn't like the product or that they weren't using the product, who was the first point of contact in that conversation? On their end or mine? Yours. Me. Like, okay. So they it literally immediately got straight to the CEO. True. True. And and because it's a small company, they also got straight to the product specialist. Right. Mm. So I'm also the guy that helps design the product. Um, I've built the product, but now I'm running the company. So I have other people who build the product now. But um, they do need to get to the, the decision maker. They need to be able to communicate up the chain that what's wrong with the product needs to be fixed. And this is why it's a good business case to fix it. So in my case, that was directly to me, which worked out in my favor. In some other businesses' cases, there may be two or three layers in between the decision maker and the customer. Mm -hmm. So it's important to communicate to your team that upset customers' messages need to come all the way up the chain. They should not be um, pushed away, brushed under the rug. None of that needs to happen because ultimately you're probably alienating a lot of other people who aren't speaking up. Got you. So in any company, are you saying that the a customer complaint should come all the way up to the chain? I mean, all the way up the chain, because what if you uh, hit the decision the... maker, right? Okay. And the decision maker in that context is the person that says this is the right way to build this product because this is a good business need. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the CEO. It's going to be yeah. the person who's over overall the entire project of the product. Right. right? It could be just the, the, the marketing manager. Right. The product could be your message out to the public. One person didn't hear this properly. It could be the service you're delivering to the product. Who's the person that manages that on a day-to-day -day basis? Mm -hmm. And maybe it is, if it's a service, mm -hmm. right, the product itself is being delivered by a person. Maybe it's that person who needs to hear that message so that they can deliver the service better. So it's definitely um, the person who can help improve the product in a short time frame. I'm always about agile development building your product in two-week cycles, if you can do that. Just always learning and improving whatever it is you're providing to the marketplace on a quick basis. That way you're constantly meeting your clients' needs and you're never getting left behind. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a couple of weird things as I'm listening to you talk, I would say. It was a lot of things going through my head. One of the things were... Um, I was like, what software does he run again? Oh, the ATM machine, stuff like that. And, <laughs> but I was a little bit thinking of... Um, uh, I, you know, I wanted to ask you specifically what, uh, like, you you fixed the problem. You know, was it something fixed in the software where it helped other clients also? Yes, absolutely. So that's the reason why you want to listen to your difficult customers because they'll make your product better, not just for them, but for everybody else you sell to or may potentially sell to. So they definitely made the product work, work uh, better overall. And, and what's your take on why have it, other clients gave you the feedback because I always get surprised when uh, when I've done maybe something 10 times and then now I'm hearing something from this person. I mean, what? Um, from a, my theory on that is that uh, most people avoid conflict okay. or conflict avoidant. And so they, if there's no real benefit to delivering that information on their end, there's no incentive to do so. Okay. And so unless you go out and say, please give me your feedback, which is what I've always done, always go out and ask people proactively what their, um, their issues are so that they can then give you that information. There, it may not be that they're uncomfortable giving it, but they may not be proactive about it. 
Okay. Mm. Yeah, I was gonna say from from my experience, um, you know, I'm in a very I'm in subjective creative business in a sense where, um, you know, I can sit down with a client, go through everything, and give them exactly what they want, and they can hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I really think this this you know in the video production business, I think the special sauce with the uh, you know business owner and a creative business, any creative business that you have to really connect with your clients really feel Absolutely. and it's like you know when i hear my clients speak to me i'm like literally in their head and i'm trying to you know, just by the way like i guess I'm, I'm i'm i guess the word is judging like you know just about how they talk and you know dress and mm. present themselves mac or pc you know you know those are all giving that's giving me all data as far as you know how to deliver this product to them what is mac what does mac and pc teach you i mean show you uh so i mean if you would, if you was to go back a couple of years ago, I mean, n- you know, now when I see somebody with a Mac, it's one of those things. It's, it's and it depends what they do. So if it's a Mac and they have it just for like Word documents and stuff like that, you know, there is a person that goes with the trends. So you know, when I see something like that, that means that, you know, th- you know more, uh, you know, I think more modern pop look in the sense of, right. uh, you know, if if they can show this to ten of their friends, and and it could kind of impress them, then I know, you know, that works. Versus, you know, someone a PC is a little bit different in a sense where uh, PC also tells me this person worked with a corporation. Uh, it tells me that they're, you know, they kind of just want to get it done. I don't know what the side of the brain that is, but, you know, it's not as creative. But at the end of the day, they, they'd rather have it delivered on time and they'd rather have it, just to get done to say, hey, it's done versus this has to impress somebody. So Mac is like has to impress somebody. PC just got to get done. Okay. When you're um, talking to your clients and uh, going through the process of trying to figure out what they like, how often do you speak to them throughout the whole process? You said um, how often do I speak to them as a process of being? As a process of feedback and continual uh, evolving of, of their idea. I really, I mean, depending on the type of project, Especially if it's something I've done uh, consistently, I feel like I needed to maybe talk to you for ten minutes, um, and we, you know, we can have a conversation on the phone. Phone, and then I know I can either put it together, or you know, for something that we have to go shoot, you know, it's kind of uh, setting everything up for that. But um, you know, there's been wrenches thrown at my way, and, and this is one of those things where when I, you know, when I've had angry clients in the, in the past. That's all I use. That's all as data as as moving forward, um, and um, as I said, being this type of business, you know, it's one of those things that I could, I I could have poured my heart, you know, because you know this, you know this, you know with some of the projects, you know, I, you know I'm I'm obsessed with you know making sure that it comes out the way that they can appreciate it, and. Uh, you know, it sometimes, especially if I, when I pour my heart out of it, and the client's like, "Oh, this is terrible," you know, be able to take a deep breath and understand that this is not my project, this is their project, and to assess what can we do to make it better, um, is always, uh, you know, it's just basically the direction that I usually take and go forth with. I had a um, uh, uh some hardware that I was building overseas, and they put it through. They gave you like three different revisions along with the process. Do you have a, a system like that? Uh, so, you know, what I do is it's just funny because I'm a person that try to avoid conflict. And uh, what I try to do, you know, 
you know, I've been doing the video so long when I budget a certain amount of hours, you know, I, I budget a little bit over where it's like five or six hours of corrections. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't burden, you know, most clients say, oh, you know, we need to add this name. You know, it's, it's things that could take, you know, between an hour, two hours. Right. So it's one of those things I try to really give them a bundle and then not put a restriction on the number. Because, uh, you know, it's one of those, they, clients, you know, when I'm first dealing with them, they are not video professionals. So it's, and, you know. They don't really know what to ask they for. They don't know what to ask for. Yeah. So it's one of those things I try to bundle it and um, that helps. But then there's some cases where clients may ask something where it's like almost doing the video all over. And, um, you know, I would say if I do 10 videos, maybe a one or two situations might be like that. Okay. And between that one or two situations like that, I might eat one or I might say I need to really upcharge because of, you know, depends on the circumstance. If it's a big budget job, stuff like that, where I know that's carrying me over for a couple months, you know, depending, you know, as I said, depends, you know, it's, it's all, you know, but I do let clients know that, you know, you know, this is the hours, this is the hours worth and this change might take this many hours and mm-hmm. that's why we need to maybe bill an extra or something like that just to have provision. But I really try, I don't know, somebody told me something a long time ago and I think, I try to put that in my culture in the business. They, you know, they said that, and I even hate to bring it up in this proposition, but it's one of those things they said that uh, either they said they, they was like, you know, the, the really rich people don't really exchange talk numbers. You know, the kind of, the, the dialogue is basically, you know, I think, you know, the dialogue is like, this is great. They talk more of a value exchange. Right, right absolutely. And uh, and the thing about it, what, what I've learned from that, you know, you know, when I first heard it, I was just like, how the hell do people do business? And they don't talk to how, how do they do business? How, how do they do business? You know? And, um, and in my, you know, what I, what I, you know, what I've learned was that, you know, you know, you, you kind of, you, you know, you put your price and it has to kind of be, you know, way over to be yeah. able to negotiate, calculate right? those costs and stuff like that. And then, yeah. you know, this is the price. And it's either they the price works or it doesn't work or they counter offer or they might give you a reaction if you say, Hey, that's too much and then and I'd be like, This is the best I can do. Right. And then you know, either we have a good relationship, we go for it, or we, we don't, you know. Uh, I, I think like I can talk on that for days. <laughs> yeah. At, at the at the moment I would say that I, I haven't really had uh difficult customers per se. I've had some I've gotten some feedback where, let's say, a a program didn't work the way that it was supposed to, and so what I would normally do is, is give them a a free bonus product if you know what I mean, something that um, is not going to be a huge expense to our company. For example, um, one of the links didn't work when someone had purchased a debt free college academy, and so what I did was is that because it didn't work and that was an inconvenience to the customer, you know, and she immediately um, gave me feedback. I literally called her. Uh, I literally like picked up the phone and called her myself and said, you know what, you know, I apologize for what has taken place with the product. I would like to give you a free electronic copy of 10 Ways Anyone Can Graduate College Debt Free. And then I add her. And then I, I asked her, I said, you know, is that, oh, is that okay? You know, how do you feel about it? And then she took it perfectly fine, called her back a couple days later, and the situation was resolved. So, you know, it was all good. Um, I think one of the best ways for me, especially being a speaker, that I try to avoid the difficult customer is I try to ask as many questions up front about the product and, I mean, about what it is that they want to be delivered. And so with that, like, you have to fill out a questionnaire in order for me to come in, so I need to know exactly what it is that you that you want the audience to walk away with, you know, uh, the size of the audience, the room, all of these different things. I need all of the specifics so that 
and I need to know what is the key message, all of that. And so when you get this speech and it's custom to your audience and it's it's exactly what you want. And afterwards, I feel like through that questionnaire, my feedback has pretty much been uh, very consistent and has been positive. Okay. So I, I was I was thinking, um, you know, I know. Um, you know, when we first came to the station, you were saying that you, you didn't have that many experience. But, I was, you know, I was thinking, I think maybe uh, surveying. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, surveying and then really trying to connect with, you know, with people to, to really get some feedback. Because I say, I mean, uh, as I said, definitely in my earlier days, I had a lot of angry clients. <laughs> and it's because I was learning. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I think it's because I was learning, A, and I, and I said this goes back to kind of what we were talking about earlier, where is that, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was focusing on giving people the hookup. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when you when you set up a deal where you're giving people the hookup, somebody's going to be upset at the end. It's either going to be you. Right. Mm-hmm. Or it's gonna be the it's gonna be the person, right? Right. You yeah, know, the hookups is for the birds, man. That those those hookups create some. I think that's one people. of the biggest things that destroy our businesses. Absolutely. We say our businesses. I mean, like our businesses, like black oh. people's businesses, and your and your <laughs> reputation, <laughs> and your reputation. I, I feel like you know, for example, I, I received an offer a couple of weeks ago to come down and do a, a keynote session and a and a breakout for X amount. That was I was kind of like, yeah, those years are over, mm-hmm. you know. But you have to respond uh, professionally, but at the same time, it's like, like who are you kidding? You know, um, I've built up a reputation, so you know what it is. Um, and I think that you have to stick to your guns when it comes to your pricing, but you also have to weigh in what it is that you're, um, you know, what are the opportunities that could come from this? You know, in this situation, I had to stand my ground, but it was actually a conference where the possibility of more speaking engagements could have been there, but you, we can't do business based off of the possibilities. Yeah. You know, so if you want me to come Very down true. there, you want me to travel to another state, get, go to the airport, get on the, you know, get on the flight, go through TSA, all of that, basically strip to get on the flight, you know, you're going to have to pay me, you know, what it is that I'm worth. And I think that that's important. Um, and you know what? Speaking of difficult customer, I had a situation last summer and it wasn't that the customer was difficult, but they tried to, I had to eat part of it, but they tried to dump it on me. I went and I spoke at a place. And when I'm there on my connecting flight on my way, I say, oh, please tell me the information of the person who is going to pick me up. The lady literally tells me, Text, uh, text me back or email me back and said, uh, we won't, we don't, nobody's coming to get you. You have to rent a car and drive up here. This place was two and a half hours from the airport. Mm. You had already gotten on your flight? I was already on my flight. This is being completely transparent. You know, this was, there was a breakdown in communication, obviously, because, you know, and so, but because it was the youth talk, I did it because the kids expected me to be there. Mm. Had it been an adult, I would have literally just canceled in. Like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But the the situation was, is that I'm here, I'm arriving at this place. You haven't checked with me. In the climate of America at that point, as an African-American male, you don't want to be driving in the backwoods of any state mm-hmm. to get somewhere, yeah, you know, because you don't know what what is going on. I got on. a lot of tickets. Like, I got pulled over. The cop <laughs> pulled over two cars. I, was, I, saw, I saw the cop pull over a car. And I was, I was like, dang, he pulled them over. And I saw, you get over two. I really should have just jetted. Wow. It, was in, it was in Louisiana. Oh, man. Wow. So for me, I'm, more, I'm not thinking about the ticket. I'm thinking about my life. 
at this point. And uh, so, you know, there was no there was no questions about could I drive? You didn't know whether or not I could drive. You didn't know whether or not I could see at night. There was no consideration for me. Um, and so when I got there, you know, they, they she basically told me that I had to pay for the rental car, the gas and that it was coming out of my fee. And so when I got there, like I was hot because not only it was supposed to be a two hour drive, but it took me four hours to get there because I, I, my GPS was acting up and literally I was in the backwoods. So when I got there, we had I said first I was very upset, but I, I channeled it. I went, got my stuff, my uh, check in, went to my room, took about 30 minutes, came back and I asked to speak to the person who was in charge. And I said that, you know, in my X amount of years of speaking, I've never been treated this way. And, you know, the only reason why I'm here is because there are youth. And the last time I spoke here, you guys came and picked me up. Like, this is not, they, and the, you know, their response, oh, well, you know, all of the speakers that come here, this, that, and the other, you know, they, they, uh, they drive. I said, well, I'm not one of the other speakers. I'm the best speaker in this market. Got to know your value. I said, I'm the best speaker in this market. I'm not those guys. And so we had that conversation, but, you know, it was a productive conversation when that took place over the course of the conference. And, you know, lo and behold, I got reimbursed and things like that. But, you know, being able to handle that for me, that was a difficult situation, one that Mm -hmm. I didn't foresee and one that I have never experienced. I've never went somewhere and have been a guest. And I mean, nobody even called to make sure that I got in safely or that I was okay on the road. Mm -hmm. I'm your VIP talent. You know, so that was a difficult uh, conversation. I won't say the customer was difficult, but it was definitely a conversation that I hadn't had to have before. And, you know, the professionalism, the patience, um, you know, keeping my emotions in, intact, you know, because I'm, it's summer, I'm sweating, it's four hours. Why am, you know, why am I here? <laughs> you know, all of that. In the uh, middle of the woods. In, the, in the woods. In the Alabama? Nah, man, this is... Uh, the backwoods. I'm not gonna say what state because then nah. you might be able to pinpoint my client and all of that. Smart stuff. man, smart man. So I, I do want to address some things in the story that you mentioned. That yeah. I think you know, I think people that could kind of go over people's heads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you see someone, you know, as Kevin, you know, I see him speak and you, you see him talk with the charisma and passion. And you, and you see he's there and clear. You know, I, you know, people just think that just happen naturally oh man and, no. it's, and it's one of those things there's so many variables that go into play you know because mm-hmm. it's like you know it's one of those things that you know somebody could be listening and it's one of the things i know you know sometimes i can step out of myself like and i know you personally so it's one of those right. things i feel like if i was outside listening to this story i was like this guy sound real hollywood this guy <laughs> he needs red carpet treatment and this person <laughs> never heard you speak or something right. like, they just kind of just right. hear you on the radio it's like right. you know this guy sounds really hollywood like why can't he just be in, you know, in the churches, like, you know, just eat it up or something like that? Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where, you know, um, it's one of those things where when you see uh, somebody do something and perfect it, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't... They deserve doesn't, that respect. It doesn't, you know, not only does it respect, but it's not easy to get there. So many things that can ruffle your feathers. There's so many so, things that can happen to put to... To uh, stop your process, right? I think one of the, that's a great highlight. I appreciate you for saying that because in order to do a great forty-five to sixty-minute speech, it's taken me over five years to perfect that, right? To be able to walk into a room because I literally have to practice the speech myself for twenty hours, you know, more than that, and that's that's not including the writing, right? This is literally me in my room going over the presentation literally like if it's a 45 minute presentation that means that I did that 45 minute presentation 20 times but when you get to get to the stage when you get to the room 
and you have to interact with everybody, right? Then you have to think about what it is that you're supposed to be saying. And something for me that people don't even realize, nobody really even knows this, is that when I go on stage, my mind goes blank initially, mm -hmm. which means that my be the beginning of my presentations, I always have to know my intro because that's the only way that I'll be able to go through the straight, go through the flow. Right. So that has to be you have to master that. And then you can't give everybody a canned speech. So now but then you also need to be able to engage. And that means that if you, Eric, say, oh, yeah, Kevin, that was great. Or if you, Chris, are like, you know, are saying or you come on stage and you do something that somebody else didn't do. I have to be able to counter all of those responses and be able to keep my composure, charisma, no matter what's going on. Somebody might drop a plate in the back. There's all of these different things that are going on that you're actually seeing happening during the course of this presentation. So it's not the 45 minutes that is where the value is. It's me being able to walk in and handle anything that you have going on if you have equipment malfunctions. I've been places where the mics don't work, so I literally have to use my outside voice in order to project to 300 people in a room. Right. Or somebody, you know, can't we're doing activity. They're having a little bit of difficulty giving up or I mean, getting up or they don't want to participate. Somebody's shy. Then I have to call uh, and command everybody in the audience to give them a round of applause, but not lose my my uh, my place. Right. Yep. My connection with that yep. person. So it's all these different things. You're literally giving our life and encouragement and um, to these people in order for them to go on and be better so absolutely not nah, i'm definitely not hollywood actually if you know me you know i'm f as far from that as possible but i do believe that once you've been doing something for a period of time you definitely have to you have to say enough is enough or you really have to uh define what it is your standards are and people will treat you accordingly there's definitely a um a stage of your business when you're first starting out where any leg up any hand up is going to generate some level of success like you, you, you want to get in and, and, and get the opportunity just to get some exposure. But at a certain point, if you aren't establishing a baseline of value for your business, you're going to be constantly eating costs. You're going to be constantly handing out, giving out handouts. You're going to be constantly undervaluing your product. And sooner or later, it's going to, um, it's going to uh, turn into an issue for you. And when you first start out, getting a leg up by trying anything and everything and taking jobs for free or doing things for free that works in order to get your name out there to test the waters and all that but when you're scaling a business and you are given handouts and handouts aren't just giving away the product for free handouts are hiring people because a friend said oh hire this person they need a job handouts are keeping on family members because they're family all right. that is a handout mm -hmm. and it has been killing our businesses because we don't have strong operational foundations now when you're saying it's been killing our businesses you're talking from a theoretical standpoint has it been killing your business it has killed my business in the past so how so in 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 the realm of uh, tech companies, in order to scale, really, you got to do venture capital raising. You got to mm -hmm. go out and get fundraising. And so when you start out as a young entrepreneur, you don't necessarily know your value. You don't necessarily know the game. Um, and if you're not around other individuals who have walked that path, you're bound to make mistakes. And our mistake was, funny enough, asking for too little money. Mm, okay. Right? Thinking that we could do amazing things on a small budget. And you know what people would say to us? Oh, that's real cheap. That's and think course. and think to themselves that I can get a whole bunch of their business for mm -hmm. very little money. Mm -hmm. And also, they're probably very unsophisticated because they're not asking for enough money to really get the job done. 
So they don't even really know how to run their own business. I want to add to that, especially like in my business, if your if your fee is not X amount, then they don't people won't book you because they don't think that you're of value. Yep. Yep. So that's that's huge. That was exactly it. They didn't give us money because we asked for too little money, mm. which is strange. So what would you say is a way to figure out how much you guys should have been asking for? Well, you got to have people who have already done it before. This goes back to having mentors and, mm-hmm. and advisors and people who have walked the path before. Getting in the environment and in the industry and getting to know people. Outside of that, we were... Um, we were just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and really just trying to get anything and everything. So we were we were thinking maybe we'll be more attractive if we ask for less money. People mm. will be less will think it's less risk. When actually they think it's not enough reward mm-hmm. in the ultimate run. This business is won't give me the enough money that'll take me to the heights that I want it from an investment stance. And the people who are running this business don't really understand what it takes to run a business. Mm. So ultimately we're going out here talking about, let me get 50,000. We should have been out there talking about, let me get 500,000. Right. And that's, that's, that's the difference in what I think, at least in the startup world specifically, what um, a lot of us unintentionally do is we undervalue ourselves because we want to make it an easy bet when really and truthfully we got to walk in with confidence and ask for our true value. Mm. Oh, no, I, I was going to say I 100% agree with him. Um, uh, it's interesting that um, I always ask myself the question, you know, being a black entrepreneur, um, where is the line between you know, where's the line between giving and, I, I would mm. say, and taking, you know, in a sense, because it's, you know, where it's a very thin line in the sense. You mean like giving it. back? Giving back. But, it's, you know, as I say, sometimes, you know, for me speaking, you know, I, sometimes I'm so busy and, and caught up what I'm doing, and then I see the opportunity where to kind of give the handout or kind of, kind of you know, to kind of try to, I would say handouts. You know, my, my good friend Larry would say hand up. You know, always try yeah. to put yourself in a position to give the hand up to yep. bring somebody up. Um, um, it's, you know, it's one of those things is, uh, you know, how to do that efficiently without, you know, making sure it's a win-win. I mean, uh, I think that you don't put your business at risk to help somebody. I'm in 100,000% agreeance with you, Eric. Um, for me, I don't care if we're related if we're best friends, if if I'm dating you, <laughs> you know, but number one, if I'm dating you, we ain't doing we ain't doing business together. But um, to me, the biggest thing is is that you need to be able to do the job, right. the task. Like you need to be able to handle it, regardless. If we're working for free, if we're working for money, whatever. How I look at it is, is if we're working for free right now, or you know, we're doing something together. When we when we start to get paid, are you going to be a liability to me? Are you going to help me see this through? Are you taking the initiative? All of those things, they matter to me. And when it comes to, um, you know, just just even talking, because I know we're talking more so about, like, customers, right? The, right? the difficult customers. There's different types of customers. You know, you got the angry, the impatient, the intimidating, or the intimidated. You know, the talkative, the demanding, and then you also have the indecisive mm-hmm. customers. Mm-hmm. So I guess I want to spin that and ask you guys, how do you deal with the indecisive customer? Somebody who's on the fence, like, I think I want your product, or I think I want your services, but what is it that, um, like, how do you make them... Or how do you assist them in coming moving forward and coming to a decision to work with you? I would, <clears throat> excuse me. I would think that um, for an indecisive customer, they have an expiration date, right? Mm-hmm. You're gonna work with them for a certain amount of time to get them to come to terms with needing your product, 
Mm. Right. Just think that's a belief. Start now. If you're selling something, just believe everybody needs it. Right. <laughs> you got to be careful with that with that belief. Because remember, we talked about on another uh, episode of CEO Talks, we talked about people building in the basement by themselves and nobody. True. <laughs> True. So you, gotta... you can you can believe everybody needs your product. It doesn't mean everybody will buy your product. You can still have that reality in your mind. Right. Um, but just from a, a, a belief in your own product, that's just where I'm coming from for that. But in terms of an indecisive client, first, it's going to be a lot of questions because they need the questions just as much as you do in order to figure out what it mm-hmm. is about that product that they need. And then there's a time where it comes down because a lot of times indecisiveness comes down to budget. I just can't afford it, but I don't want to communicate that. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you and if you believe that you have set a baseline value for your product. You know your economics. You know how much your product costs and how much you can charge in order to make a profit off of it. Then at some point, you're going to be like, is this enough? And when they say no, all right, you know what? Let us know when you are ready to to buy the product. This is the price. When you're talking about going online and purchasing a subscription service, you're not going to call up, what? what's what's the new one, Stitch Fix? Right? It's like a personalized uh, uh personal stylist program. I think it's $39 a month or something like that. You're not going to call up the 1-800 number on Stitch Fix and be like, can I get that for 29 Can I get that for 20 It's like, no, this is, a, this is an established business. This is the price. Pay it or go somewhere else. Buy your own clothes. Well, I think that that, that makes sense. But I would also say, is it the fact that they've probably renewed, uh, re- removed the access to have that conversation? You see, because a lot of times online companies, what they'll do is they'll just have email chat support. So you literally can't ask that question. But then also there's the professionalism that's, you know, you, you're not going to see the owners, uh, you know, standing on 125th right. Street trying to sell Stitch exactly. Fix subscriptions. So exactly. that makes it a completely different conversation. Yeah, I would say that um, I think in all of our business lines, we have to have some level of, of direct relationship with our customers Mm -hmm. and there's one customer that wants your base level product that's going to want it as cheap as possible and that person has as an expiration date then there's another person that can buy your product in bulk or buy your more uh advanced services and that's where the negotiation and the budgeting come in when you're talking about chris negotiating from a certain price point so you actually have to go above your actual price in order for it to come down during the the negotiations otherwise right. you're going to get um you're going to get wiped out and the negotiations are going to push you down to your lowest level or to a level to where you're doing work but you're losing during you're it losing money mm. yeah and we definitely counting man need. hours man hours right. are expensive <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like that helps with in the negotiations with customers who want to play hardball is for you to actually understand what it is, what it's going to cost you, your base price and things like that. That's super important because it's very difficult to argue against. Right. You know, if you know that it's going to cost you, you know, 30000 50000 to operate your company on the annual and you're taking in, you have 10 projects that you're taking for the year, you know that you can't take any of those projects for less than five k. Right. Right. So when you have that baseline and you understand that aspect of the business, then it makes other parts easier yeah there's no also oh, so i was gonna add to that indecisiveness you know i feel like it's interesting i mean i'm no offense to my clients but i feel like a majority of my clients not indecisive but i feel like i deal with a lot of clients who kind of have a feeling where they want to go mm-hmm. but you know it's like how to get there you know because at the end of the day they're not professionals in creating content you know that's why they're right. seeking out to me so my approach with it is definitely you know patience like i have you know you know i'm really you know, really patient. I think, you know, I think where you, you know, I, I wouldn't even say I give them an expiration time. At, you know, as I said, you know, 
you know, with my clients, I have a genuine care for them. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, you know, it's one of those things that I have a connection with them. And then I think if it's one of those things where the connection becomes not valuable for me, I think, you know, I think that's where my attention starts to get a little bit drifted. And, and I, you know, I, I try to, I think, you know, for the most part, you know, I try to get the value proposition out the way. Um, you know, value proposition mean this is my price and it was, this is what it's going to cost. And I try to get into that business of engagement as soon as possible um, to let them understand the value of my time. How do you how do you identify when the relationship or the proposed terms are not going to be to your benefit? So you what see, are your keys to that? So you, your 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 question is how do you do a business transaction and make sure it's in your best interest? How do you identify when it's not and then? go away from that negotiation? Like maybe even if you have to drop the deal for both of y'all? Um, as I said, I think in, it, it's, it's, in a, it's, as I said, it's really in the beginning of overpricing it in the sense of saying that it's going to cost around this much. And then, you know, when you give me some more details, I can give you a formal proposal. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if it's one of those things where the client is like, you know, it's within my realm. I mean, you know, you can really, uh, for entrepreneurs and CEOs, I think the most valuable question um, you know, if you're not so strong mentally with the conversation of money with clients, you know, is what is your budget? You know, that is a very tactful question. So then you can cater you to can, that budget? You can cater to that budget. But what if, what the, is your what budget? if it still this is not the, worth your time? That's what I'm saying. Like, how do you identify that? So somebody's uh, so, like, I got so, a budget for $300, and, you know, they're trying to get you to shoot a two-day video. So, I mean, so it's one of those things, I mean, if I come across someone who's, you know, say that, it's just... I cannot do that. You know, I have a staff, you know, there's office, I, I can't help you. But that's when you send them to a recommendation. Yeah, yeah. I have a but referral. Here, yeah, but but yeah, <laughs> right. but, but okay. here is who you can talk to. Right. Or this is how I will go about finding it at that price. And this is the risk of you going at that price. You know, you know, at that price at three hundred dollars, you try and get a video, you you're gonna deal with a student. So with the student, you're gonna have to be able to give them a lot more information than you gotta give me. That's one. And mm, then two, great. he might not have the equipment to get it done at a certain quality. You know, if you want to take that risk, then there, you know, then that's your best option. Right. Yeah, I think that's a good lesson. Um, you're going to run into a lot of customers that just can't afford your product, but just giving them that um, that advice about what paying for the product really means, what value you're really getting for it. If ultimately you're going to try and buy something cheaper, you're going to get a cheaper product. Get what you pay for, period, point blank. And I think that discussion actually makes the consumer smarter Mm -hmm. and makes them more likely a customer in the long run. Because when they do get the budget, they'll come back to you and say, hey, you know what? You're right. I tried it this way. It didn't work out. Let me come back and try it again. I don't know about you, but I've tried uh, spending money on, on... cheaper resources, whether it's developers, whether it's branding resources, and whatever the case may be, ultimately, I have to re um, reallocate that expense all over again and go to an expert. Yeah, and then you should have just did it right the first time. Chris said something that I thought was really, really cool. Chris, you said, how do we handle difficult customers when they post some type of review, maybe a negative review, or if they have a negative comment and it spreads like almost virally within a company that has multiple branches that could use your services. How have you mastered that and uh, overcome it? So I've seen it. I've seen, um, so two ways. So I've seen one from, from me and one from a friend who has a cleaning business, um, Maine Marines. The first one, um, in my 
scenario. It's one of those things where, you know, sometimes there there are errors and clients get upset and, and, it's, and it's a big mess. And, and the the way you deal with it as, you know, it's, it's, it's being sincere, it's being honest up front right away. That's number one. Um, the number two, it's it's also letting people know what you're going to do to fix it. And you do your best to fix it. If it doesn't fix it, you know, this is the best I can do. And you walk away and you let time take place. And, and with and, that comment online, hmm? would you comment on that comment? So, yeah. No, so now if it's an online situation, like a, if it's something online like a Amazon or a review or Yelp, as soon as possible, as soon as they put that, that thing in, you go in and reply to let people who are looking at you online, right. let them know the scenarios. Uh, now, as I said, you know, and it's one of those things where I've seen, you know, s- scenarios where you work behind the scenes, you know, you send that client flowers or chocolate or you give them a free product to to do do whatever you can to see if they can change, you know, see if they can resend that that review or that, you know, that product because those things have legs, uh, footprints and legs that 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 can that can hurt and damage you and give your competitors, you know, an edge. So it's one of those things from the top, you know, you deal with that right away. And if it's something that consistently comes up, you know, you change your process or you hire somebody, um, you know, to, to really take care of those scenarios. But if you have bad reviews online, reply right away. Um, be professional. And I think, you know, people will comment. And sometimes you can really tell when a client was kind of, you know, not in their right mind when they, when they said something or something like that. And, you know, you can kind of see from the reviews. And you just use your own judgment from there and then uh, go from there. If somebody's not in their right mind, quote unquote, uh-huh. what is the what is the process like of trying to get them to reverse that comment in order to take it off? Because I've definitely not used services because I've went and looked through reviews and was like, no. This. I think what you, do you know think about that. I think so, you know if someone's not in their right mind. I think you have to really put the details out there in that form. You know, mm. you know it was one of those things where. Um, we provided you this with this free service. We did this to rectify this person, rectify this situation. We fired that person, and we did that. We greatly apologize. We know that was a mistake, and we are doing our best to make sure it never happens to you or anyone else again. And I think, you know, if that comes out, I think is one of those things that, you know, you have to, um, you know, you know, like I said, give respect or be able to kind of let that slide. I mean, you know, everybody's human. You know, no, nothing's perfect. I think you touched on a couple things, you know, number one, uh, focusing on a solution and how to come to a common ground, you know, agreeing to what a a customer may be saying. You know, they might not necessarily be right, but you want to, you know, agree to disarm and then come to a place of solution. I right. think that that's very, very important. It's just all about that re- resolution. The solution is really what's going to take you and move you forward and being able to articulate that and say that, you know what, we made this mistake. You know, we would like to blank, blank, blank. You know what I mean? It just it makes a difference in the temperature, I think, of the relationship and helps things to evolve. Yeah, if, if you're delivering transparency across the board, I think customers, difficult and happy, will see that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, your relationship with them and their feedback towards the rest of the world about you mm-hmm. gets stronger. Last words, man. What, what do you guys uh, have to say uh, to the Create Your Life Series family in terms of you know dealing with difficult customers and you know moving forward? I just say be patient. I'm always big on, you know, if you know, if you if if a client tells you something, and you automatically feel like it's their fault, and, and you're blaming them, you know, look at the four fingers pointing right back at you before you really own that thought. 
Okay. Fondra? Transparency is key. Always listening to your customers, being honest about your ability to meet their needs, um, and consistently uh, getting feedback. So always talking to your customers is important. Whether they're difficult or not, they're going to provide you the best feedback to provide the best service. Okay. And beautiful people, I would like to say that it's very important to get all of the uh, as much information up front as you can uh, about the service that you're going to provide to a particular client so that you can make sure uh, that you're delivering to them what it is that they want. And I think that that's very important. So, guys, what are your how can our Create Your Life Series family stay in contact with you? Um, your Instagram, IG, you know, just social media f- handles. Um, for me, the best way to stay in contact with me is uh, Instagram. Reach out to me at Transcendent ENT. Transcendent ENT. Some people have issues spelling transcendent. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> dictionary Google, and then just add the ENT at the end. Okay. You can find me on Twitter. That's Eric N. Fondren, F-O-N-D-R-E-N. Or you can email me, Eric, at itelio, I-T-E-L-L dot I-O. And as you all know, of course, it's at Kevin Y. Brown on everything and also at CYL Series. And, of course, you know, you can listen to uh, the podcast and just tune in, man. Stay stay plugged in. It's a lot coming. We got episodes upon episodes, even episodes that we haven't even been recording in the studios. Create Your Life Series family, we are coming and we are getting bigger and we are getting better. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life Series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life. Create your life.